the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. intro music today. Uh, there it is. Yes, yes it is. It is International Star Wars Day. I don't know if anybody's even getting paid from that. I suppose Disney gets some kind of royalties now because of all of that. Anyway, anyway, welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It is great to be with you today. May the 4th be with you, as they say, International Star Wars Day. It's clever. I, it seems like that's kind of new, right? Somebody figured that out a few years ago. I remember putting that on social media and Twitter, and people say, oh, how clever. That's funny. Now my kids are wearing Star Wars clothes to school today. You know, I sent my kids dressed as uh, Darth Vader and Chewbacca. Uh, not really, but the teachers are, and uh, it's all Star Wars. It's kind of incredible uh, how that has happened. You know, Disney owns Star Wars now, and there's lots of reasons to be mad at Disney recently, but I've been mad for a while. Have you seen those last three Star Wars movies? Awful. I mean, they ruined Luke Skywalker and they ruined my childhood. Anyway, we might nerd out on that a little bit later, but not now. We have a lot going on on the program today. It's so good to be with you. Today on the show, we'll have Jim Daly from Focus on the Family in just a moment to talk about the Supreme Court leak of the abortion case and where we go from here. We're going to talk about violence in our city overnight, in the streets, and at the Dave Chappelle Show at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, last night, and uh, we're going to ask you if there's ever a time when violence is the right move, and we'll take your calls about that. Also, we're going to have some deeper questions about whether people actually believe what they're saying when they talk about controversial issues. So we got some depth in the show today and some fun. We're going to also take note of a huge increase in world hunger that's been going on the last couple of years because of covid and we need to be paying attention to that and respond. And we've got an opportunity for your pastor and more. So welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. Good to be with you. The number here is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And you can email me right now also at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, so we're going to have some conversation today. I've got my coffee. I hope that you're ready for the rest of your afternoon, your drive home, sitting at your desk. Big news is still the surprise leak of the draft of what could be the Supreme's decision for uh, the abortion case that would, and if this decision holds, it will overturn Roe versus Wade. And we're still in the throes of a national freakout about that, but not on this show. What we're looking forward to doing what is whatever we need to do to approach things with wisdom, to approach things in a Christ-like way, and to prepare to be on mission even as the world changes. My guest is Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family and host of its daily radio broadcast, heard by more than 6 million listeners a week in the United States on 1,900 radio stations, 220 million listeners, somebody told me worldwide. 
And Jim Daly hosts Focus on the Family with John Fuller that you can hear on KKLA every weekday at 7.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Jim, thank you for joining us today. Scott, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you. Jim, you know, I wonder if you would start out uh, by talking about um, how you grew up. I think it's, as we talk about this <laughs> issue, I think it's relevant. I think, and, and you spent some time right here in Southern California. Maybe people don't know that, but I think that your story is, is relevant to what we're going to talk about. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was born in West Covina right there in Southern California, lived all over Long Beach and other spots. And uh, believe me, I miss the weather. I miss Southern Cal in so many ways. Colorado's a good second. But uh, yeah, my mom was uh, 42 when she had me. And even though it was before Roe v. Wade, just before Roe v. Wade, she thought about an abortion because being over 40 in the state of California, a woman could get an abortion even before Roe v. Wade based on medical problems. And so my dad talked her out of having that abortion, and I'm grateful for that. So I guess part of my fight about the life issue is just that. I mean, I feel, especially when it comes to poor families, poor women, that was my family. Uh, You know, part of the time we lived in Compton, I went to Star King Elementary School on Artesia Boulevard, third and fourth grade. So um, I don't think anybody has that right to determine that a poor child has no chance, therefore kill it. Yeah. Um, being a poor child, I would say, no, you don't. And uh, so that, you know, that gives me that perspective. And of course, obviously, uh, becoming a Christian early in my life, I just feel that, uh, like you said, I hope the result of all this is that the culture becomes less coarse, and we actually appreciate the idea of, of having and bearing children as a, as a blessing. Uh, it definitely beats having a dog. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, I that's one of the things that we've talked about on the show is that a lot of the craziness going on, you know, maybe we're just witnessing uh, a lot more destruction, but maybe we're coming to a time when a new generation is going to take a look at what the truth is. And maybe yeah. we're going to have revival. Maybe it's different. Maybe this is an amazing time way, in history. Doesn't it? it feels yeah. like revival could be the seeds of it are settling in. I'm here in D.C. today. I, I was... Ha- planning to tape a broadcast, taped a great broadcast yesterday with Winsome Sears, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, drove up to D.C. last night and just stepped into that hornet's nest. You know, Mm. one of the things down at Supreme Court, the protesters there, uh, we had a couple of focused staff members down there, and they just said that the spirit is so mean that they haven't seen anything like it, like them ripping signs out, you know, wishing death upon people down there, which, again, I just it's so unfortunate. Here's the deal with the decision and the leak. I mean, again, we're talking about a draft. We don't know if it's going to be exactly the same. If it's released in June, that's important for everybody to kind of hold back. But if that holds, um, all it does is send it back to the states. Now our job gets actually more complicated to work in all 50 states. And, uh, you know, I think from a a constitutional standpoint, all, all they're saying is the court did not have it right that this was not a decision that they should have legislated from the court's bench. This is a legislative issue. And for those who work for death, for abortion, if they want to go try to pass it in the Congress, get a president to sign it, that, that woman has the right to choose death for a baby. They've, that's the path where they should go, not to fight it in the courts. There is no constitutional right for an abortion in the Constitution. And quite to the contrary, it says you know, in the Bill of Rights for life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Isn't that an irony? 
Yeah, it really, it really, really is. And I think when the dust settles, people are going to understand that a lot more. I think uh, I said, you know, there's some statistic that's not really uh, that gets thrown out there. Seventy percent of people don't support the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but also seventy percent of the people think that doing so would end abortion altogether and make it illegal, which is also not right. And uh, people well, are learning. Same amount would want to restrict it as well. And, that's right. Know, Colorado, for example, right. we've gone right to the birth canal. We approved abortion right up until the point of birth. Yes. And that's that's that is so cruel because a baby can survive after 20 weeks. That's right. And so those babies in the late second, third term, I mean, to kill them, literally, that's what you're doing because yes. they can live. We're dealing with that in California also. And uh, so in our states, your, your state of Colorado, California, this decision isn't going to change. Uh, it's going to make things um, more uh, make a, make abortion more available. What is what is focus on the family and other groups doing as we respond to this and we think about a post row world? Yeah, again, it really gets down to working in all fifty states. I think in those red states that tend to be more tilted toward a pro life position, like Oklahoma, uh, mm-hmm. the governor there just signed a bill that basically eliminates abortion. We're going to have to step in, all of us as the Christian community, not any one group, but churches pregnancy resource clinics in Oklahoma and those states that are supporting life. And we need to be there. Um, It's an archaic argument to say that uh, we only care about the child. That is so 1973, because so many Christian organizations now support the woman, the baby. They do job training, job placement, budget training, uh, food help, and so much to help that woman out. And I'm proud of that. Focus does its part. We've put ultrasound machines into clinics around the country. At this stage, we've saved almost 500,000 babies' lives through that effort. So I think there is a tide changing. You look at GE technology with ultrasound, you can see that it's a baby, a heartbeat at six weeks. You know this is human. And I think for those women that, you know, the Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics tell them not to believe this is a baby, it's just a blob of tissue, that's a 1973 debate right there. It's it is. not a blob of tissue. It's a baby. I'm and surprised that that is still, done. yeah, I'm surprised that's still even being taught. And it is. And I think you're right. The, the science is in our favor with this because people can go look at the sonogram and they say, oh, and it tells them everything they need to know. It's the best argument for a lot of people, I think, uh, on Absolutely. this, this subject. And I, you know, the, the bottom line, it, it's probably, I was trying to think, okay, Lord, what's the good news out of this leak? And I thought, well, at least some of the energy on the abortion side gets let out. It, yeah. It's not going to be big news in June when That's the right. Supreme Court comes out with its final opinion. And that may be good. Maybe it lets some of that energy out. And uh, on, in the same way, it's, it's really a rallying cry for us to do more. It doesn't make it easier. It makes it actually more complicated. We've got to do the Word of God, just not talk about the Word of God. So we've got to go help these women That's and help right. these children. I think it's a great opportunity, too. I was responding to a conversation on this online today, and they were basically saying only only Christians believe that the uh, baby is a baby, which is completely not true. And this is a smart person <laughs> saying a this. That's and a whole crazy. bunch of people, what I enjoyed was there are people who are posting, you know, famous atheists, Christopher Hitchens and other people who say, no, no, clearly this is a, a child uh, that we're killing. And then somebody said, well, are you prepared to... Uh, make a father of an unborn child pay child support? Are you prepared to uh, take care of uh, an unborn infant from an immigrant? And a whole bunch of lists of things. And I said, you know what? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think think that's another thing. Yeah, I thought one of the things that I thought of yesterday when I was drafting my statement on that is, 
this really puts men back on the hook. You know, abortion took men's responsibility kind of off the hook. I remember a feminist in the 60s who later became a committed Christian. She said, we thought as women we were going to get acceptance. And what we received through abortion, the pill, et cetera, was abandonment. That's right. What a statement. It is, and it's a it's a statement that we see in all kinds of areas of the world of of women's rights. You know, no fault divorce. Well, who bears the burden of that ultimately? Who gets to raise the kid? Who has to go get a job? Who has to go do a whole bunch of things? Well, the man writes a check, maybe. Yeah, uh, and, so, and it's not back to the logic. Women. Yeah, right. back to the logic issue that you're expressing. I mean, we had a woman, Susan Sanguinetti, who worked for the BBC and later came to work at Focus on the Family, and she went to Beijing for the Women's Conference in 1994, I think it was. And Geraldine Ferraro, who some in your audience might remember, along mm-hmm. with, I think, Hillary Clinton was there at that time as well. And she, as a press person, asked the question, when you're talking about women's rights, the woman's right to choose, what about the female baby? Does that child have any rights? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and you get into this dead end of logic. Uh, no, of course not. That female baby doesn't have a right, but the female carrier has a right. It's it's absurd, actually. Yeah, it really is. You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Jim Daly from Focus on the Family, and we're responding to the Supreme Court leak um, yesterday that happened. And um, so when we look at the, the future, you mentioned how different it's going to be because we've got red states and blue states with completely different laws now. Uh, assuming mm-hmm. that this goes through, that's what the case will be. How does that, how does Focus on the Family then change its approach uh, to dealing with this subject? Part of it, we're working on a strategy right now to see if we can rally uh, kind of by a state-by-state level uh, hospitals to provide pro bono medical services, birthing services, to work with governors in those states that are pro-life, to work with Christian business leaders to see if we can get job training and job placement accelerated for these women. And, uh, you know, that is going to be a collaborative effort of churches, uh, Christian business community, etc. But I think, like you said, it's going to be a great challenge that we need to step up to. And I think over the arc of time, if you look at a 10-year survey, I would love to see God's shalom proven that those states that choose life, that all the indices, when you look at thriving and well-being for families, for parents and for children, are significantly higher than the blue states. Now, I don't wish the blue states ill will, but I just think the principles of Scripture are true. And when you have states that uh, are lifting up the idea and valuing children, that you'll actually see a healthier environment for families. And I think the blue states, as you lift up death, you're going to see more chaos. You're going to see more teenage girls having a baby in the toilet at the prom and throwing it in the trash can. And that's horrible. And that's in part due to the fact that we as a culture don't lift the value of life up. And further, I think since 1973, I think it has been a coarsening toward a child, a war on children. You know, if you get pregnant, don't have it. Get aborted. If you get married, world population, don't have a child, have a dog. I mean, it just is relentless if we step back and look at it. And I think we're seeing that as a lot of stuff because of the COVID and parents got to go to school with their kids for the first time over Zoom. We have seen a lot of things get exposed in our schools, the, the stuff they're teaching kids about sexuality, things that are being done to hide stuff from parents. That's that's being exposed right now. And I think you're right. 
it comes back from the 1970s, from the 73 decision that really is against kids, and we're seeing that get exposed across the board uh, today. I, yeah. I think it is related. I think the violence we're seeing is is a part of it. The Our approach that's wrong in a lot of our blue states to homelessness even, that's just so anti-life. Right. Uh, it's exactly just shocking. Right. I mean, these moms who you know have this horrible situation where they – maybe have, uh, you know, emotional difficulty and they end up killing their three-month-old. How do you explain that, that that's wrong? Which it is, but how yes. do you explain that, that the state was going to allow it as long in Colorado, as long as it hadn't come out the birth canal yet? Right. I mean, these become the quandaries of logic that don't fit together. And I do think that coarsening is upon us. And back to your original point, I think the seeds of revival uh, may be being placed right now so that the younger generation goes, wow. What yeah. are we thinking in the 21st century? Surely there's enough uh, adoption capacity, placement capacity, assistance for these moms that they can have their children, and we'll all be better for it. You mentioned that the churches need to come together with groups like Focus on the Family in a collaborative effort. Uh, I think that is the key. I think all of us working together, and not just in our own little you know, church you know, walls, we have the ability to make an incredible impact right now. What are some ways that, that churches or believers who are listening, how can we get together? What are some ways that maybe through Focus we can get together and really help make an impact? Well, one of the ways, you know, these pregnancy resource centers that are around the country, there's about oh, probably 4,000 of them, and some of them are really well-equipped and they have wonderful budgets and the community supports them strongly. Others are a little weaker. They're not as well-staffed. Uh, they're not as well-supported. So I think one of the first things we can do is look into your town or your city and see if there's a pregnancy resource center that's trying to do the right thing and provide services to these women and to help counsel them into having a baby. The good news is about 59% of abortion-minded women that walk into those clinics, once they see their image, the baby's image, Mm -hmm. and they get counseling, 59% of pro-abortion-minded women will choose life for their baby. So that's a good statistic if we just start there by, uh, you know, kind of bolstering their efforts at the community level. So for churches to adopt these clinics, to wrap around them, to make sure they're resourced well enough to staff them with volunteers, et cetera. I think it's a great first start. And then for the business community to come around the effort, maybe it's billboards, maybe it's an ad campaign at the local level in your community. Do some local television ads to support women who are pregnant and uh, don't know what to do. And then, uh, again, I think unfolding that plan, working with hospitals and governors. I was meeting with Governor Yonkin talking about this. He said, how soon can you have that ready for Virginia? What an awesome state. Oh, that's, that's great. Uh, same news. with DeSantis. I met with him, yep. and it was the same thing. Come to Florida. We want Focus to work here. So I, I just am so excited about those that rally around life and the openness, like these governors. And I wish it were blue governors, too, Democrat governors. Mm-hmm. I wish they would see the value of life. Why kill off your future citizens? I've always been right. struggling with Disney. Why support abortion? They're your, they're your clients in and like three clients. years. I yeah, don't I, understand that. I have the same thought. I'm I'm thinking, isn't there somebody on the board of directors at Disney who's got kids who's saying, "Hello, wait a minute." You know, this is our this is who we're trying to reach. My and, goodness, 63 million abortions since Roe v. Wade. Right. Think of that. The impact of that. It's the loss of human capability and capacity. I mean, we should all be really sobered by that. We should be. 
And uh, and I'm hoping that we are. I hope that, uh, you know, with the social media as bad as it is, there are some good things that go viral on there sometimes. And younger people are watching both sides right now. And they're hearing opinions they've never heard, even from their friends. And it's another yeah. area that I think there's a, there is a possibility of actually getting some good information out of, in the midst of all of the terrible stuff that's there. I agree. And, you know, the other thing, this is core to the Christian faith, the first century Christians they were saving babies from infanticide. Right. They even had they had abortion capability back then. There was uh, you know mixes of herbs and things that would hasten the the birthing process, and they'd have a stillborn. So the Christian community was engaged right from the beginning, and much of Rome was turned upside down because of the intentionality of the church to save those children. They were known as a pro-life group. That's and right. these babies would be thrown out at the dump, these unwanted children after being born. The Christians would go collect them and take them home and raise them as their own. We need that kind of attitude once again, and we can change Rome once again. That's absolutely right. The history of the church is when whenever we take care of people and we love people in practical ways this way, it's, it creates a revolution in whatever system they're in. And, it does. It yeah. just takes our willpower to do it and not right. being distracted by ease and comfort. So that's right. our challenge, and that's a fair assessment. And young Christians, they get that. They understand that. Yes, they do. Hey, Jim, um, is there anything else that you would like to add? Any challenge for our audience or something you'd like to share about what's coming up on Focus on the Family? Well, let's pray. I mean, that's the main let's thing. Let's that. pray. This decision, being here in D.C., looking at what the mayhem down at the court uh, earlier today, we need to pray for our country because, uh, you know, some believe when they don't get their way, they're going to throw a great tantrum, and it may cause mm-hmm. incredible damage. So we need to pray that people keep their cool, and we work as a democracy. We respect the decisions that are made on all sides, and we move forward. That would be number one. And then number two, let's pray for the church to wake up and get going and do the work we need to do. All right. Would you mind if I prayed for you before we're done? Sure. Pray That'd for those great. things. Thank you. God, thank you for Jim and for Focus on the Family. I thank you for Jim's life, just the way that you have reached him and the, the um, way that he has proven wrong, what a lot of people say today about the future of a person. And I pray that his testimony gives continues to give uh, encouragement and faith to so many people who hear it and for the ministry of Focus on the Family. Lord, we, we pray for our country right now. Number one, we pray that we would stay calm and that we would not be resorting to violence as people may protest or express themselves, that we would find a way to actually communicate what is true. I pray for the church in that, that we would not be carried away with distracting arguments about other things, but that we would be loving but firm and bold in our statements and in our actions and taking care of the unborn, taking care of moms in crisis pregnancies, taking care of of fathers and encouraging fathers to be involved uh, and all of these different mm-hmm. things, God, and, and let us not be discouraged if we're in a state that is not supportive of this because your spirit will work and all of these different things will work wherever we are to take care of people who need to know your love, who need to know they are loved and that they have value, their children have value, and we always have hope. We thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. I so appreciate that. You're welcome. Jim, thank you for joining us today on Southern California Live. Jim Daly hosts the Focus on the Family program with John Fuller that you can hear on KKLA every weekday at 7.30 and 11.30 a.m. Also in San Diego and KPRZ at 7.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Jim, thank you for being with us today. All right. Take care. 
All right. Bye-bye. God bless you. All right. See, we have a lot of hope. We have an, a lot of hope in our in our culture. And, and right here, you know, Jim's in a blue state, Colorado, where they're going. We're even bluer here in, in California. But none of that should get in the way of us loving people and showing them the hope of Jesus Christ and caring for people. It does mean we're going to have to get out there and be active, that we have to, to uh, redouble our efforts, triple our efforts to really help people, to really help the women who are involved, to help raising the kids, to deal with adoption and foster care and all the things that are a part of it. But we can do that, and we can do that together. You know, churches working together, it's such a powerful thing, and I think the time is now for us to hook our shields together and do a lot more together, one congregation with another and many congregations together. One of the events coming up here from KKLA is the Pastors Appreciation Breakfast in Los Angeles is coming up on Thursday, May 12th for the Hyatt Regency in Orange County. It opens at 8.30. And um, you can go to kkla.com right now to register for that. The San Diego version is on Wednesday, May 11th, next Wednesday at Skyline Church in La Mesa, and uh, it begins at 8.30 a.m. Go to kprz.com. I bring that up because what happens at these events is pastors and church leaders get together and they see each other. And this is where that collaboration begins. Sometimes pastors just go to the breakfast because it's a free breakfast or they want to hear the guest speaker. The guest speaker is Pastor Alan Jackson. And they just want to be, you know, involved with their pastors, but they leave connected with another ministry and they say, hey, maybe our churches can work together. Maybe there's something that we can do together. My friends, the time is now for this kind of collaboration Send your pastor to this. If you're a pastor listening or church staff, go to kkla.com. If you're in the L.A. area, if you're listening in San Diego, go to kprz.com. Look for the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast. Click that right now, kkla.com. Click that uh, advertisement. Sign up. Go next Thursday in L.A. It's also for first responders in Los Angeles version, KKLA, uh, on Thursday. Go to that. Be encouraged and click on the link. Send it to your pastor. Send it to your children's director, your youth director, whoever it is that you know works at a church. Give them this opportunity to coordinate and get to know other pastors. I promise you there's a benefit. They will enjoy it. It will be a blessing to them. Uh, Do that right now. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We will be back in just a minute with your Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, International Star Wars Day, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, as they say. This is the old disco version uh, from Miko of Star Wars. This is a, I have this album. Can I just nerd out for a minute about that? I actually have the whole thing. There's all kinds of crazy stuff on there. And I'll turn it on once in a while when I'm driving somewhere with my wife. And the look on her face, because there's all kinds of disco. There's a disco version of the Superman theme, disco version of a bunch of Star Wars stuff. All the even Star Trek, you know, they don't they're not biased one way or the other of the different shows. Anyway, it's good to have you with us. Scott Furrow here, Southern California Live. The number is eight 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 LA Talks, eight 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 five two eight two five five seven, eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. And uh, we are uh, responding to uh, the things going on in the news with the Supreme Court leak. We had Jim Daly on right before um, the break to talk about that. I wanted to shift gears a little bit with this, but I want to get into some of the deeper 
um, conversation that's going on because I'm watching an awful lot of people share things. An awful lot of people share their opinions, but when they really think about it, or if there's a history of their opinion, I start to wonder, is that what you really think, or is that just the political line? So I watch people uh, you know, really upset on TV or on TikTok or on social media, and I wonder when the camera's off and you're just talking to your friends, especially a close friend or a parent or somebody, do you talk the same way about this? And if you do, do you really feel like this? Here's a question for you. Do people, when they're talking about controversial subjects, do we really ever say what we really feel? Like in a calm way, or do we just do we just feel like we have to plant our flag in a position that our side takes? Have we moved to a place where we can't have conversation? We can't really talk about our our heart because we're we're getting hit pretty hard. I want to share a couple of examples from uh, President Biden. Not to pick on President Biden, but he is the president, and he is getting um, a lot of criticism for a couple of things that he has said the last couple of days which really are not against sort of the left-wing agenda about abortion, except that he uses the wrong language sometimes. But he uses the language that I think is what he actually thinks. He uses the language that I think most people actually think. And Joe Biden, you know, when you've been in politics forever and you've been recorded forever, he's been around a long time. He was in the Senate before the Roe versus Wade decision came about. Did you know that? That's how long he's been in Washington before all of this. So he now has been in in Washington public office longer than this has even been an issue. He was against the Roe decision when it came out. Did you know that? And even as late as 2006, this is a clip of Joe Biden, who is on a program called Texas Monthly Talks. And 2006, just two years before he became vice president, this is some of his thoughts about abortion. Play that clip. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. I think the vast majority of the American people think that can be done. Um, but unfortunately, we're put in a position to either eliminate abortions under all circumstances or it's, quote, abortion on demand. The fact of the matter is I've never known of a woman having an abortion and say, by the way, I feel like having an abortion. It's always a tragic decision made, always a difficult decision. You think he could say that today in the Democratic Party? I don't think he can. I don't think he could make that that statement today. But I think it's how he still feels, to be honest with you. I think if he's sitting down and he's up in the sunroom in the White House with Jill and they're just having a conversation, I think that might be what he really thinks. And I think it's not just the president who's under that kind of uh, pressure. I think that a lot of us get under that kind of, even as pastors, do do pastors decide they need to plant their flag in a a particular, you know, secondary doctrinal issue just so that uh, everybody in their church doesn't get mad? Or can we actually have a conversation? Imagine if President Biden were to say that today. Wouldn't that be healing to our country? Wouldn't that be something that might cause us to calm down and actually have some consideration. He says he doesn't think there's a right to abortion 16 years ago. That's what he says, that he doesn't think it's a right. He thinks it's always a tragedy. Uh, that's what he says. I think he still thinks it. This is one of the reasons I think so. Play In, in this clip, you're going to hear him responding to uh, the abortion decision getting leaked. 
And he does a couple things. One of them is he uses the wrong word. He calls the baby a child. He doesn't say fetus. He doesn't say whatever you're supposed to say. He says child. He's getting a lot of criticism from this. He also mischaracterizes the issue a bit. Go ahead and play clip number two. Look, think what Roe says. Roe says what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded, that right that the existence of a human life and being is the question. Is it at the moment of conception? Is it six months? Is it six weeks? Is it, is it quickening like Aquinas argued? I mean, so the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. He says child, so that's what's getting him in trouble with some people on the left. But see, my, and I don't know him, and I don't mean to be, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for him in this way. I mean, I want us to be thinking about what does he really think? And in contrast, what do we think on things like this? When the words come out of our mouth, you know, the scriptures talk about how our tongues will will reveal what's actually in our heart, the things that we say. And here, here he's not talking in a scripted way. He's just talking to reporters and he's trying to find the language. He mischaracterizes the issue. Once again, the Supreme Court is not about to outlaw abortion. They're just sending it back to the states. Some places it will be illegal. Most states will have some kind of restrictions, um, but he knows better than that. He understands that. And then here's another statement that he made, and what I'm getting at is do we really say the things in our politics or in our personal life that we really mean? Go ahead and play clip three. I said, I believe I have the rights that I have, not because the government gave them to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. I delegated by joining this union here to delegate some obligation, some rights I have to the governments for, for social good. He struggled to get some of that out, but isn't it interesting that he believes that rights come from God? That's the right belief. That's the right American belief. We have certain unalienable rights. And so he knows this. So I guess the, the point I'm making is this, is do you struggle? Do you think politicians on the left and the right struggle because they feel like they need to say stuff to please the base, to make sure that they don't cause some kind of internal trouble? I think we know that that's the case. But what would happen if President Biden actually sat down and said these things that might very well be what's on his heart today. You know, people are saying, you know, the excuse people for him are saying, ah, he's evolved over time. That's the, that's the thing, right? Um, he's evolved. You know, President Obama said that on uh, gay marriage because, you know, until 2012, every single president of either party who ever ran for office was against gay marriage. And all of a sudden, a couple of years later, he's all for it. And people say, well, how can you do that? Well, I evolved. Do Really, did you evolve or was that the political pressure? When you're sitting at home with Michelle, if I could sit down with President Obama, I think that's what I would. If I could just have a conversation that I could promise no one would ever know, like a pastoral conversation, do you really believe that or is it just politics? You know, I would say the same thing to, you know, Donald Trump sometimes has a different opinion one day to the other. So it's a little harder to nail him down in what he really thinks. He's been across the board. He's been a Democrat, Republican. He's been Reform Party. Did you know he was the Reform Party candidate for president in 2000? He was after Ross Perot jumped out of all of that. Um, 
Do you have any thoughts about this? Does this strike you in such a way, not really about the president as much, but just about the way we are as a culture? Are we afraid to say what we really think? You can join the conversation here, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And as we're thinking about this, and we'll go to the break, this is one of the reasons to pray for our leaders. We pray for them so that they will make good judgments and good decisions. We want them to go to the Lord. Imagine if President Biden changed his mind on this subject. Imagine if Kamala Harris changed her mind on this subject. Imagine if Gavin Newsom, who was ranting about this today, changed his mind and decided, you know what, we do want to protect the life of the unborn. We want to take care of women. We want to do a lot more for crisis pregnancy. You know, those voices, if they changed their mind, which I'm wondering in some cases if it really is already their mind, they just are on a certain side of the aisle and they don't think they can say it. Imagine what that would do. Would you pray that? Would you pray that today for the president, for our governor, for other leaders, that God would would strike their hearts, that if they don't know the Lord, that they would know the Lord. But I'm telling you, if a person like that were to change their mind on an issue such as this uh, and you know, not evolve into a, a progressive, politically correct stance either way, right? Because you could have the same type of thing going on on the right with somebody who says, you know, I used to be for uh, open borders, but now I'm for closed borders. And maybe they just are saying that to get votes because their district changed. Those things happen. We need leaders who speak from their heart. We need leaders who have the ability to change their opinions, and particularly to do so in order to help us come together. And I think it's one of the reasons we're getting driven apart. i got to take a break. You can give us a call. We'll get your calls as soon as we get back. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. This is the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live International Star Wars Day. May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Do you play this game? I like it. I'm a nerd. I like this kind of a game. I've always thought they ought to do something for uh, May the 5th. It could be International Beethoven's Day, right? Get people into some classical music. Um, uh, May the 5th. That makes sense, right? I would think so. I actually looked it up. I Googled it because I thought, well, maybe I'm onto something here. But there is an international Beethoven Day. It's December 16th, which is his birthday. And I guess they try to make some money for that, for uh, his music. That's good. Um, Beethoven was good. He did a lot of things while he was deaf. He composed things while he was deaff. That's amazing. It's just an incredible story. Uh, that guy, if you ever want to get into it, and, and his music, of course, is uh, we know about it because it's fantastic. And uh, so May the 5th, that could be it. Well, there's other things. There's another kind of uh, international May the 5th holiday, and that makes you blind as well as deaf. So I would uh, uh, encourage you not to participate in that one. I know it's Cinco de Mayo, and uh, that goes on, you know, so be safe out there. Don't do that. It's also, by the way, my wedding anniversary is May 5th. Yes, uh, tomorrow I will have been married for 21 years, and uh, I'm excited for that. I love you, Christy. You might be listening now. I love you. And uh, we'll figure out some kind of plan. We're kind of busy right now. As that happens, right? Yes, last year was our 20th anniversary, and, you know, everything was shut down. Should we go to Hawaii? Should we do something? Ah, we better wait. 
And uh, that's okay. So, you know, 21, 21's a good year. This is Southern California Live. We're glad that you're joining us today. You can join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And, uh, you know, we joke around about the Star Wars thing, and maybe I'll just nerd out for a little. Do you do you have a, a Star Wars, a favorite Star Wars movie? Here's something I realized. I was talking with a bunch of uh, multi-generational crowd the other day, okay, so young kids who are in junior high and high school, and then people all the way up into their 60s were in this conversation, several people. And I learned something. I learned that if you were, if you were alive and you went to the movie theater when the first set of Star Wars movies came out, then you think those are the best, which, by the way, they are. I'm just saying. I was six when Star Wars came out, six years old. And as a six-year-old, I was able to get to the theater Ten times, ten times. And that's a big deal back in 1977 because there weren't that many theaters. You know, and as a six-year-old, you know, there was no Uber I could crawl into. Back then, you weren't supposed to get into cars with strangers. And uh, I managed to see it ten times in the theater. And where I grew up, uh, Palmdale, some of you are from Palmdale. Some of you are still living in Palmdale. How you doing, Palmdale? Good place to be from. I think it's gone now, but Palmdale used to have one movie theater. It was the Palace Theater. Do you remember this? The Palace Theater was famous for a few things. One of them was they never cleaned the floor. Uh, instead, they just painted over it. So the floor was lumpy because underneath this paint was some milk duds and some juicy juices and whatever it is that were you know people were snacking on M and M's or just you could tell what they were kind of in the paint down there in the floor. And it was convenient because your feet wouldn't slip because the floor was just all all lumpy. And there was a big Coke stain up on the screen. Somebody took a large big gulp or something and threw it at the screen, and the Coke was just dripping down. So every movie you saw, there was this big stain over on the right side that you had to look at. And then what we would do, uh, if we didn't want to go to the palace, our only opportunity then to see a movie was to go to Los Angeles, and uh, which was a great thing to do. Uh, back in the day, we called it down below. Do you live up there? Do you still call it down below? We're going to go down below, which you had to do if you're going to go shop or whatever back then. And we go to the movies and we go to some of these great movie theaters. Some of them are still around. They're closed a bunch of them, but you ever go to the big theaters with the balconies and with the, the sound, the way it's supposed to be and all the stuff, you know, there might be 2000 people in the movie theater and the screen is as big as the block. And it's fantastic. It's a fantastic experience. I got to see all three star Wars, the first ones in that environment. And uh, I remember going to see the, the uh, Empire Strikes Back in Westwood. And before that, I had done something to my thumb. I don't know what it was. I, I cut it or I had something go on, and I must not have told my mom. Um, and I wrapped it up. I wrapped my whole thumb in these this, like, gauze tape. It wasn't The tape wasn't gauze. It's the kind of tape that you would tape a bandage on with, so just this white tape. And I had it on there for a couple of days. And while I was in line, I remember taking that tape off, thinking, I wonder if my finger's okay. I'll just take it off. And I take off this tape from my thumb. I'm nine years old, okay? And my thumb is paper white. It's just like leprosy. I'm remembering my Sunday school lessons, and I have leprosy. And that's what I'm thinking. My thumb is going to, you know, I thought I probably should go to the doctor, but I'm not getting out of this line. And I'm not going to go talk to my mom either, because I probably should have told her in the first place that I had injured myself. So I, I spent the time, and we were with some friends, and I'll never forget, I was standing there with my thumb, my left thumb, in my right fist, just kind of holding it like that, this weird stance, because I didn't want anybody to see my thumb. And I was grateful to get in the theater uh, so I could finally take my thumb out of my, my hand. So I'm really worried about this, right? 
And I'll never forget it. I'm sitting there. It's Empire Strikes Back. And nobody knows anything, right? So all of a sudden, you know, Darth Vader tells Luke, am I spoiling this for you? I, I think I can spoil it for you, right? That, that he says, I'm your father. And Darth Vader, and we don't know if that's true. I mean, this was a great error, right? We didn't know for sure if he was lying for three years. We had to wait for three years to find out if Darth Vader was lying or not about being Luke's father. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling that for you, you know, but uh, you should have watched it by now. That's that's what I think, you know, uh, and I, I spoil movies sometimes. You know, I used to like to go down to the blockbuster and stand there in the aisle and say, hey, you know what? Uh, Kevin Spacey is uh, Kaiser Soze. Never mind. So I would. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I I in the movie right at that point, I'm terrified in this scene as a nine year old. Darth Vader was just frightening. And he cuts off Luke's hand right after that. And the hand goes flying down the thing. And at that moment, I remembered my thumb. And I looked down at my thumb, and I couldn't tell if it was still there or not, you know, still. And, and the rest of the movie, I worried about my thumb. And then I finally got outside in the daylight, and the thumb had come back. I guess the blood flow was cut off, and my thumb looked normal. And I still have my thumb to this day. So it's good. See, that's a, that's a memory right there of Star Wars and how meaningful it is. I, Luke lost his hand. I thought I lost mine. Return of the Jedi, awesome. Wasn't too sure about the teddy bear thing. You know, I was 12 and too cool for school, but uh, it was all right. And then when the prequels came out, I stood in line for the midnight show with my new fiance, Christy, for the prequels in 1999. Cold rain, and I was in there. And then the scroll starts, and it says Trade Federation, and then Jar Jar Binks, and I lost my mind. I thought they've ruined Star Wars. And then all of the prequels, I didn't really like them, but I noticed with this crowd of people, getting back to that, that the older people think that the first tr- trilogy, which is really episodes four, five, and six, was better than one, two, and three. And all of us my age, we thought one, two, and three were terrible. And then I was surprised to find out that the youngest generation there, the high schoolers, they thought that 7, 8, and 9 were the best out of all of them. It was surprised me because I thought 7, 8, and 9 were world-ending. They just, you know, I left the theater from number 8 just angry. I just thought it was horrible what they did to Luke and the character development. They just kind of made him a jerk, uh, if you haven't seen that movie. And uh, he's not a jerk. He's Luke. And, uh, you know, we can blame Disney for that. It's it's part of the downfall of Disney that we've been uh, watching and we'll probably do a show on eventually. All right, so I needed a moment on International Star Wars Day to uh, nerd out a little bit with you and uh, tell you that story about my thumb. You know, make sure that if you're, you've injured yourself that you let the skin breathe, uh, something I learned, you know, at that, with, with all of that. I don't know if I've ever told anybody that story. <laughs> Sometimes you just hold things in, you know, that's just this horrible thing that happened to you uh, that's there. Okay. When we get back in the next hour, we're going to, uh, talk about some different things, including, uh, some of the violence that happened in Los Angeles in, uh, last night, including the Dave Chappelle, uh, event there. And I'm curious about what you think. Here's the question I'm going to ask you is, is there ever a time with whatever's going on in society where violence is acceptable, where you think violence might be the way to go? How do you, you know, how do you answer that question? Cause we're, we're seeing some violence out there. How do we respond to it? Um, and I'm curious. I'm curious if that generates uh, some thoughts with you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can give me a call right now, and we'll get to your calls as soon as we get back from the break. Hey, uh, if you would like to get the podcast of this show, go to kkla.com, go to the program guide, and find Southern California Live. You can find the podcast there. You can subscribe if you want this hour of the program, our interview with Jim Daly, uh, our fabulous uh, discussion about Joe Biden and his thoughts, and uh, mostly you probably want the story about my thumb and the Empire Strikes Back. Go to 
the program guide and uh, find Southern California Live at the radio website, kkla.com. It's kprz.com in San Diego, kkla 99.5 in L.A. and the surrounding uh, counties. Plus, there is lots of different events that we invite you to, and especially the Pastors Appreciation event that is coming up soon. If you are a pastor or church staff or a first responder, Go to kkla.com right now. Sign up for the lunch or the breakfast, which is next Wednesday or next Thursday, May 12th at the Hyatt Regency in Orange County. Uh, Go to the website right now. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.